I'm so thankful to the Lord for that, that I heard that message that night and it just really gripped my heart. Roxanne worked second shift, which meant getting home late every night. But one evening was different. Instead of her favorite rock station, she found Focus on the Family on the radio. I didn't find out until sometime later that I actually, you know, got saved or born again or, you know, gave my heart to the Lord that night. I just knew that I prayed the prayer at the end. So I just, you know, was probably by that time, almost 1230, it would take me about half of an hour to drive home and just driving in my car, crying and filled with peace and joy and, and just feeling the presence of the Lord. It was wonderful. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Roxanne's every month. Become a friend to Focus on the Family and invest in this ministry. Call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. You and your spouse are made to reflect God's glory to the world, and you complement each other, but you're also very different. So what does that look like? I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley. And Aaron, um, you do a lot of counseling. Uh, Some couples, um, the differences are so big between them that it leads to a lot of conflict and a Mm -hmm. lot of insecurity. I mean, this is a fairly common thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, we experience this in our own house. Oh, you have somebody living with you? I'm I'm laughing as I'm thinking about this. (laughs) One thing that we struggle with, well, several things, but lights, lights in our house. I love to have little lamps. There's overhead lights, but then there's mood lighting. And so I'll have different lamps set throughout the house and I want them all on all day long. Oh, it, it absolutely drives me to the Your electric point. bill must They're be just a little insanity. lamp, a little light bulb. Well, like <laughs> last night, literally last night, I was walking around from room to room, turning these little tiny lamps going, what does this one really do? Why is this even here? Going... Why does it take me 10 minutes to shut down all the lights before I can actually then go to bed? So you're kind of smiling about it now, though, so that's good. I mean, that's one of the ways to deal with these differences. Well, how about how about the I'm temperature? To be polite. Oh. Can we talk about the temperature? <clears throat> no, I think the, we should just move on. And... <laughs> Greg likes to keep the the thermostat like three degrees lower than I do. I don't want to pay for just heat. Put on more clothes, Aaron. Exactly. That's, That's what he I mean, says. You, I, I buy you jackets. <laughs> you got oh, thermals. Man. Come on. Well, let's go ahead and hear from one of the wisest people I know on this topic of differences in marriage. It's Dr. Larry Crabb who offered insight in a conversation with Jim Daly. As Christians, we got to turn to the Word of God and say, Lord, why did you create us this way? We didn't come up with this, male and female, and the two shall become one flesh. Um, As a Bible scholar, what do you think God is up to when he makes us man and woman? That's the question. (laughs) And is there really a potential that is largely going unrealized? Hmm. Is there a real potential for me as a guy, for me as a man, to be fully alive in the masculinity? What does that mean? Does it mean broad shoulders? I'm a good football player. I make a lot of money. I drive a neat car. What on earth does it really mean to be fully alive as a man, making a bunch of money, whatever? And to be a woman, what does it mean to be fully alive in femininity? I think God has an incredible vision for that, and I think our joy depends on it. Where are we missing it today? We're missing it all over the place. I think we're failing to realize that 
when God made us male and female, you go back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which are, of course, the key verses to think about in this. It seems clear, if we agree, and I think we all do, that everything God does, he does for his own glory. Hmm. And some people think that makes him a narcissist. Well, that isn't the case at all. If he is committed to what's best, who else can be committed to than himself? And whose advice would you want to follow? And whose advice do you want to follow? <laughs> Absolutely. And I believe when he made us as male and female, one of the key thoughts that just struck me, a bit like a thunderbolt some years ago, was that he made us male and female to glorify him. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you start thinking about who he is, you realize that when he said, let's make a male and female, it's the first time in the creation story in Genesis 1 that he said, let us. Up until then, he said, and God said, let there be. And they made the moon, the stars, the animals, and everything else. But when he made people, he said, let us. That's the first hint of the Trinity. That's the first hint of a relational God. Therefore, I take the position, and this can sound kind of confusing. I don't think it is. That when he made me a male, when he made my wife a female, he made me to reveal something unique about the way God relates within his own Trinity and how God relates with us. God's a relational God, and he relates rather well. I've often thought the Trinity is the only small group that's ever gotten along really well. <laughs> well, we often, you know, I think as men, we think of God as purely manhood, purely man. Yeah. But women possess and reflect the nature of God equally to what a man does, don't they? There's no question about that. And there's no way that we can believe in women being somehow inferior, being less important to God's purposes. And I believe my wife has a unique capacity to reveal something about the relational nature of God that I simply can't reveal as well. Um, how do we, and I think younger women particularly, are getting a better handle on their role and their husband's role. And now with so much um, redefinition going on about what is a couple, what is marriage, how do we regain, maybe not in the public square, that'll take time, but how do we regain balance within the church so that we understand healthy perspectives between men and women? I think one place to start is to drop the word role. Hmm. I'd rather use the word opportunity. Role feels so restrictive. And if the Lord is anything, he's one who's come to set us free. The truth will set you free, not stick you into a box where you've got to deny the deepest part of who you are and shape up according to standards. But it's really a liberation. It's a freedom. So I, I much prefer, I think a good starting point is to say, what is the opportunity of womanhood? What is the opportunity of manhood? Mm. Even as we look around, though, Dr. Crabb, uh, the culture says, well, it's an opportunity for me to express who I really am. And that's not what you're saying at all. You know, if you say that in a particular way, it is what I'm saying. Because who I really am, if I'm a Christian, is somebody who at the core of my soul is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the relational nature of God. He's the personal embodiment of the love between the Father and Son. And so I have that within me. So for me to become who I really am at the core of my being as a Christian is the freedom that is mine to enjoy. So in that sense, it's true. But I think your point is very well taken, that when we talk about, well, I want to be who I am, be all you can be that really gives an opportunity to express our self-centeredness and our determination to use other people for our own well-being. So I'm saying something very, very, very different here, but who I really am as a man is somebody who was given an opportunity to do something that in the core of my soul I really want to do. Well, we kind of started the counseling session, Greg and Aaron, with you two about some of the differences and 
I think the natural thing for a lot of us is to, um, to, to take that difference and let it irritate us and then to tear into my spouse because if you were just like me, I'd like you better and it'd be a lot easier around here if you just do it the right way. Why is that the natural tendency instead of saying, celebrate the difference? It's because it's, it's irritating. These little differences between us over time, what was cute yeah, I'm sure at some point as I visited Aaron's apartment when we were dating and saw the cute little mood lighting and all that, that it was adorable. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, it just, it becomes irritating. And then that begins to build resentment. Probably then I don't deal with it. So I sweep that under the rug and it, it becomes a bigger deal until finally I just see her in such a negative light. And honestly, John, last night, as I said, as I was going around for like 10 minutes, turning off every light, conceivable light that's in our house, I honestly, in my mind, just smiled and went, you know what? And this is why I love her. This is so different than how I would do things. Mm-hmm. And I know she's going on a trip here coming up. She'll be gone a couple of days. I'm like, there won't be one light on <laughs> the entire time. The neighbors are going to think you both left somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The robbers are going to be casing our place. But honestly, it just it I, I have to smile about it and go, you know what? And that's a beautiful part of who she is. Mm-hmm. And man, I love that girl. Yeah. I love that light <laughs> <laughs> desiring girl of mine. Yeah. And and I think that's a part of where it begins that that instead of seeing this as something negative, it's just who she is. And I love who she is. And I accept all the good as well as the little tiny irritations. Now, if this was a big enough deal okay, then I need to face that and have the courage to go to her and say, okay, about the lights, can we really talk about this because yeah. it's not a win yeah. for me? Yeah, because if you don't go to the to your spouse to tell them this isn't working for me, that this is really bothering me, can we talk about it? Hearts begin to shut down and calcify and harden. Okay, so what's the, the line there? What, I mean, there's a gray area of I should just absorb this about the lights because it's really not a big deal. Or, you know what, I just need to tell her about the lights because it really is becoming a big deal. Where, where's the I'm serving her, her by accepting her uh, area and where's the I serve her by letting her know this is a bother to me? I think you have to be aware enough, is this issue building resentment in my heart. So if, if every time I see a light on, I just see then, and, oh, it just, and I swallow that. And uh, that, that's something then that needs to be brought up versus I just, I laugh. And especially the, the funniest times are when in our kind of kitchen area that has all this natural light. So when the sun is beaming into our yeah. kitchen area, why all the overhead lights have to be on because I will sit and flick them on and off yeah. and you can't <laughs> even tell a difference. I'm like, look, you're... Now, now, you didn't hit the obvious first thought of my mind as a spiritual person, which is pray about that irritant, right? If I'm feeling like I'm getting bothered by it, okay, Lord, maybe I should pray about this before I talk to her. Well, and also take care of your heart. Step back and go, what is going on for me? Yeah, what's that yeah, about? Yeah, what am I feeling? What is this really pushing? Because if you're reacting to it, then there's something being triggered. So just taking a step back and going, what is it? Name it. You know, am I feeling taken advantage of? Am I feeling things are unfair? That we're paying extra we're for all these lights. lavishly on lights. <laughs> yeah. anyway, I may not eat tomorrow because yes. I paid for lights. Anyway, it's looking at what is yeah. going on for me and what's the truth. 
about me? What's the truth about her or him? And what's the truth about the situation? And then who do I want to be? And if you're, once your heart is open, then you can go and have a good, productive conversation. Can we sit down and figure out something that works for yeah. you and for me? Because that yeah. will never happen if your heart's closed. And, and at the end of the day, there has to be room for both people. Yeah. I am not a light person. She is. Am I willing to make that okay and go, this is who she is. And there has to be room for both of yes. us. So he set limits on how many I can have. <laughs> you can choose <laughs> six really. lights to turn <laughs> Yeah, which Aaron's, ones do you want on seven today? On. Bad yes. girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we want to help you strengthen your relationship. Uh, here at Focus on the Family, we're all about not perfect marriages, but strong marriages. Uh, and we want to help you do that. We'll send a copy of Dr. Crabb's great book, Fully Alive, which has more insights into the blessing of male and female and ways to celebrate our differences. We'll send that book to you when you make a generous donation of any amount to focus on the family. And um, we're aware as well that every marriage has opportunities to um, improve. And for that reason, we have our free marriage assessment for you to take. It's online. It takes five or six minutes. And if you and your spouse take it, it'll give you some great talking points for things that are going well and things we might want to work on. So the link to the assessment and an opportunity to donate and get Dr. Crabb's book is in the show notes. We'll continue with more from Dr. Larry Crabb next time. And for now, on behalf of the Smallies and the entire team, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. 